Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time in your word, Lord, and I just pray that you would give me the gift of teaching, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to glean whatever it is you want us to get tonight from your word personally. And we thank you that you are a personal God and that you do touch us, Lord, individually. So we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been learning a lot about wisdom in Proverbs, how wisdom protects our path, and last time, how to incline our ear to wisdom. And now we're going to be shifting to how wisdom directs our path. And the key to that, I believe, is trusting in the Lord. And that was the title of your lesson, if you were in a homework group, this past two weeks, Trust in the Lord. And now, this is obviously easier said than done. We have many opportunities to trust, from relationships, trying new endeavors, like if you're going to go ziplining or something, to things with our health, to traveling on an airplane or something else. We went to South Dakota last week, and we were on the airplane, and as we were getting ready to land, the little flaps went up. We were right over the wing, and I saw all those wires, and I was like, wow, if one of those messes up, you know, it makes, me, it makes you a little nervous. And we have a friend who's an airline mechanic, and he was saying, you know, airplanes are just like computers. Sometimes you have to reboot them. They just, and I was like, he goes, but we have back. I know, it freaked me out. He goes, we have backup after backup after backup, but we still have to do that. And I was like, oh my goodness. So as a believer, we know that our trust is in the Lord. It's not, it's not in the airplane. It's not in the person, but it's in the Lord. And unbelievers, I don't know, you know, they just don't think about it, I guess. So, but we're going to dive into what the Lord has given us for tonight in Proverbs 3. So if you could turn to Proverbs 3. Um, everybody has to choose either the crowded road that leads to destruction or the narrow road that leads to life. And we can look at them as the wise path or the foolish path, which we're studying here in Proverbs. The road of destruction or the foolish path appears to be getting wider and wider and more and more crowded as we look at the news and things around us. The narrow, the wise path will be tougher to stay on, but we can do so as our hearts are towards the Lord. Matthew seven thirteen through 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And this is obviously a salvation verse, but I think that we can make it applicable to what we're studying in Proverbs. And the key, I believe, to trusting in the Lord is a matter of the heart. The heart here is used figuratively and very widely for the feelings, the will, and even the intellect. Likewise, the center of our being. Proverbs 3.1. My son, do not forget my law. So he begins this chapter basically telling us that the word is to be key to our lives. But let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. And we mentioned this in our overview, that Proverbs is written as, largely written and should be regarded as principles, but not promises. So the principle of Proverbs 3, 2 is not an absolute promise that if you do these things, you'll live a long life. We know many people have died young and they've lived well and knew the Lord. And so we regard these as true principles, not absolute promises. Verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. So these are adornments others are to actually see on us. 
and we discussed this in chapter one. Staying in God's word allows us to grow in godly character so that mercy and truth become beautiful more ornaments that we actually wear. By binding them and by writing them, we could say we're knitting them and inscribing them on our heart. And so we can stress that the teachings become part of our very nature as a disciple of Christ. And these next verses are ones that many have memorized. Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And verse 7, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Psalm 119.11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so if we avoid sin and we have the, the word in our heart, that gives us direction. And so the Lord will direct our paths. Proverbs 28.26, He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. So we see having God's word in our heart versus trusting in our own heart and being a fool. The continuation of the contrast of the wise and the foolish that we will continue to see throughout this book. Lord, we want to be wise. Lord, I want to be wise. And I'm sure you guys all want to be wise. Our hearts must be prepared in advance to trust the Lord. And how is that done? Obtaining spiritual wisdom is daily discipline. It's not a casual thing here and there. Um, The word translated trust in verse 5 means to lie helpless, face down. And it pictures a servant waiting for the master's command in readiness to obey. Or a defeated soldier yielding himself to the conquering general. So we are to be that servant and Jesus is to be our master. Ezra 7.10 says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. And this goes back to obedience. So being prepared to trust the Lord, we need to be in prayer, we need to be in the word, we need to have that commitment to Christ. And we talked about in Proverbs 1 that being surrendered to the instruction of the Holy Spirit will keep me from foolishness. And this surrender is a matter of the heart. And this surrender will protect your path and it will direct your path. Romans 12, 1, 2 talks about the mind. And the mind, when you look up that word, goes along with the heart. It's intellect or understanding. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So moment-by-moment choices, which will help direct our path in the right way. We're going to continue on to Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, which as we read it, it may seem like it was kind of just thrown in here and doesn't fit the theme, but it does relate clearly to the rest of the proverb. It's another practical way to show that you do trust in the Lord with all your heart. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And for sake of time, I'm not going to camp here, but I'm just going to quickly give a short testimony. When we began tithing, when we were very young, when my husband wanted to start tithing, I wasn't in agreement because I was like, 
how are we going to do that? That's not going to work. Uh, we can't give that much money and live on this much money. Uh, but, you know, I did submit and we did do it. And as we did it, it's, I was amazed. We have never been without what we need. We might not have all our wants, but I feel like we still even have all our wants. So I feel like we're spoiled. I mean, God has totally taken care of us. And so as we be obedient to that, God does honor it and he takes care of us. Proverbs 3.11, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. So it's good evidence that you belong to him if you are chastened. And the goal of that chastening is to reach your heart, my heart, our children's hearts, our grandchildren's hearts. Job 5:17 through 18 in the New Living Translation says, But consider the joy of those corrected by God. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when you sin, for though he wounds, he also bandages. He strikes, but his hands also heal. And I thought that was just beautiful. So we don't have to be fearful of that chastening. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11 says, And you... And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And Pastor Chuck Smith says this about that. The fact that God corrects me is an indication that he loves me. Correction and discipline are acts of love. If your child is doing things that are self-destructive and you allow him to continue to do those things, that is not love. Disciplining, training, and correcting your child from harmful and destructive things, that's love. And I would add that that's wise. And prayerfully, these acts of chastening will reach the heart. And we can do our part, but we also know that children have free will, and life may not always turn out perfect. Now we think, oh, we're going to raise them and do this and that, and it's going to turn out this way. There's always that free will. So, but we do need to do our part. Now in Proverbs 3, 13 through 18, we're going to see more benefits of wisdom. And I'm going to read these verses with wisdom in place of she and her for the most part. Just so we can see how much benefit we get from wisdom. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For wisdom's proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with wisdom. Length of days is in wisdom's right hand, in wisdom's left hand, riches and honor. Wisdom's ways are ways of pleasantness, pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain wisdom." So happy are all those who follow close to wisdom. 
And then as we go into Proverbs 3, 19 and 20, we're going to see that God has established very precise laws. And it's amazing what God has done. And I know you guys all know that. The universe around us has the marks of a brilliant designer whose design shows his wisdom. Verses 19 and 20. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. So now as we go into these next six verses, I want to tie them back to trusting the Lord with all your heart and lightly with Mary, the mother of Jesus, who you studied a little bit in your homework. It appears anytime we have a trust issue, we can relate it to a fear of some kind. Fear of the future, fear of the unknown, fear of being hurt again, fear of things not working out as we hoped they would, fear of someone we love getting very sick or dying or hurt, fear of that unwanted phone call, and on and on it can go. Think of your own trust issues and see if fear is not the culprit. And so we need practical tips to overcome fear and to trust the Lord. To say just trust God is easy to say and difficult at times to do. And when we were on our trip with our friends, her husband was very like, just trust the Lord, because I didn't like heights. Just trust the Lord. And he was goofing around with the car, you know, and cliffs. And, uh, and um, anyways, I was just like, it's not that easy sometimes. So, you know, it's easy to say, but it's difficult to put into practice. So Proverbs 3, 21 through 26. My son, let, let the... Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and he will keep your foot from being caught. So we see in Mary's life in the verses that they gave us to study in Matthew 2, 1 through 15, that she was to flee with her husband and baby Jesus to Egypt to escape the hand of King Herod. This took trust, trust in what God was doing in their life, trust in her husband, trust that they would be taken care of in a new place. They had to trust step by step, moment by moment in God's leading and not lean on their own understanding. And I have gone through difficult things in my life, as you all have as well. And years ago, the Lord gave me a trust acronym. And I was, I know it was from him and not me, but I was in the hospital. Um, I had a hysterectomy. And after the hysterectomy, I woke up and I see all these people staring at me, like nurses and doctors, and, I'm, and they're like, your heart rate went down to 22 in surgery and you need to see a cardiologist. And I'm just like, I'm just waking up. I'm like, what? So I was afraid that night to go to sleep because I thought, wow, that's low. And I already have, knew I had a low heart rate. It goes in the 40s every night. So I thought, wow, with being on the pain medicine and everything, I may just fall asleep and never wake up. And it kind of gripped me with fear. You know, you think you're ready to see the Lord, but then you, when you think about it, you're like, am I really ready, Lord? So I was afraid to go to sleep, and I didn't um, want to call Jim at 2 in the morning because I was like, okay, you're a believer. You should be able to do this with the Lord and not, you don't have to call your husband for this. And so even though I was gripped by fear, I, I just had to turn to him. And I'm sure Mary was gripped by fear, knowing 
King Herod wanted to kill her child. So we're going to look again at these verses in Proverbs 3, 24 and 26. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. And so how can we not be afraid or have fear of what is ahead even in our lives right now? We know it's kind of crazy out there. There's fires in Oregon, California. There's looting. There's riots. There's storms that are intensifying as the day of the Lord draws near. And it goes back to the heart. It goes back to trust. So I'm going to give you a brief overview of the acronym TRUST. And these are things we can apply to our lives, and I'm sure Mary had to apply to hers. And this is something that I actually go back to in my life. Even though I got it six years ago, the Lord reminds me, remember that, what I gave you, and I go over it again. And so there's lots of verses I could give you with it, but I'm just going to narrow it down. So T is for talk to the Lord. Lord, I'm afraid. Help my thoughts. These are the things I'm feeling, even though you know. And sometimes there's no one else to talk to, and that's a good place to be in, but as humans, we find it a very hard place to be in because we like to talk to someone. Psalm 62.8 says, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And so that's what I did. I felt like he, it was all I had that night, and it felt good to talk to him. And we all know how refreshing it is to talk to someone who's going to listen, someone who's not going to think you're silly. And I think if I would have called my husband, he would have been like, oh, come on, you know, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it, because everything's fine with him. So <laughs> if you know him, you know everything. It'll be fine. So... But that is how we should be in our relationship with the Lord. We, we, we should have that relationship where we can come to him knowing that he's going to listen to us. And um, we know that comes from time in the word and prayer, like-minded fellowship, and continuing steadfastly in these things, as Acts 2.42 says. So talk to him. And I'm sure Mary was talking to God with all that was going on, being asked to flee Jerusalem. And someone shared in our group tonight that, you know, they, they did it in the middle of the night. So obviously it was fast, it was furious, and she had to accept what was happening quickly. Um, we know she accepted the motherhood of Jesus by talking. She had a conversation with the angel. She had questions. And then she came to trust and to surrender. Luke one thirty eight says, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. So R is for remember his past faithfulness. Remember his past faithfulness. Psalm 25, 6. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they are from of old. And we have all probably heard the verse, Hebrews 13, 5. The Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. But we're going to look at verses 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And really, what can man do to us? Take our lives, but not take our relationship to Jesus. That can always stand. And what can our circumstances do to us? They can discourage us, they can humiliate us at times, frustrate us, but life here really does go super quick. Remember his past faithfulness in your life, and you will get through it, and you will grow, and you will be stronger if you allow the Lord to work in your life through your circumstances. 
And I have been stretched in a big way in my trust of the Lord with our children. And you would think when it came to my health that I would have been like, oh, this is nothing compared to that, some of the things we went through. But different circumstances challenge us in different ways. And different fears surface we never knew we had. I know we never arrive at being able to say, I have this down. I believe Mary relied on the Lord's past faithfulness. He saw her through a rough time of being an unwed mother. He had not failed her. And this new situation called for trust once again, like new situations do in all of our lives. And you is for undue wrong thinking by focusing on the word and its truth. So undue wrong thinking by focusing on the word and its truth. And your word is found 36 times in Psalm 119 alone, that phrase, your word. And Psalm 119, 10 through 16 says, With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And so we must not forget the word. And that takes us back to verse one in this proverb. So when the storms of life hit, we need deep, deep roots here. We need the feeding of the word that will sustain us and that will promote growth in our lives. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So if we want to undo wrong thinking, we must replace it with the word. And that night I had to go back to the word I had memorized when I was gripped with fear. And the verse that kept going over and over in my mind was Psalm 56, 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And I knew that I could trust in the Lord and a peace came over me. And it, it is the only way to undo wrong thinking. It's not going to happen just by giving yourself a pep talk and many times not by just talking with someone else. Going back to the word is key. And Mary had to rely on God's word. The angel came to give the clear direction from God to flee. And she had to go back to that truth and not question and not waver. S is for surrender to his will. Surrender to his will. And this is not easy. Matthew 26, 39. Jesus went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And I know this is, this is just difficult for most of us. And when I knew I had to have that hysterectomy, it was just two months after a surgery I just had of an ovarian cyst. And so I could relate to this in the tiniest way because I was like, oh, another surgery, I don't want to do this. And I was like, Lord, I really don't want to have to go through this again. But I had to say, Lord, you have a plan. I need to surrender to your plan. And then two years later, when I went through breast cancer, I was faced with trust issues again. And I'm sure in my life, as it goes on, it'll happen again. And I'm sure you guys have all been there with things in your lives. And with our adult kids, I, I just have to say, Lord, I do not understand all these things really. I must believe you have a plan and a purpose for all things. I surrender to what you are doing, knowing behind the scenes you are working things I am not even aware of. And you guys have all heard of the cross stitch. You know, it's a mess underneath, but so pretty on the top. And, and that's what our lives are like. So are your roots of surrender going deep? Mary surrendered to God's will and followed her husband's lead. Mary was a real live woman with live emotions just like you and I. Surrender's not easy. And I was reading an article in Focus on the Family uh, 
I think about a week ago, and it was about Carol and Jean Kent. And I don't know if you guys know anything about them, but they were, they're authors, they're Christian authors, and um, they were devastated by some news that hit them with a phone call. They had one son, and they brought him up in the Lord. Everything seemed picture perfect. He, I think he went into the Naval Academy. He did great. He got awards. Um, he met a woman who had two small children, two little girls. He married her, and everything seemed great. And they got a phone call one night that their son had killed her ex-husband. And what happened was he, he knew or felt, I have, you know, I'd have to look it deeper, that um, the, their father was molesting them, and it overtook him. It just totally overtook him. So in broad day, daylight one day, he just took out his assault rifle in a parking lot and took him out. And so now he's in prison for the rest of his life. And so these, this couple who, you know, they love the Lord and they brought him up in the ways of the Lord. This is what they have. They have a son in prison for life. And so she wrote a book called When I Lay My Isaac Down. But they had to surrender this son completely to the Lord in a way they never thought could happen in their lives. And this changed their lives forever. Their faith has gotten them through moment by moment. It's, it's just an amazing testimony. So T is for Thanksgiving. And this is nothing new, but it's in the word so often. We need to be thankful. Jonah 2.9 says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. It is a sacrifice, a sacrifice to get out of ourselves and our complaining and get into thanksgiving. Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4.6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Colossians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it, with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5:16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And I could give you countless verses on thanksgiving and how we are to be thankful in everything and all always. And those words mean what they say, in everything and always. And if we don't practice it, it won't miraculously be in our hearts. And when I get tunnel vision concerning our kids, I need to say, thank you, Lord, they're still alive. They're not in prison, you know. Where there is breath, there is hope. Thank you for all their amazing qualities that you gifted them with. And with my health, thank you, Lord, I can get up every morning and I can walk. I can even exercise. I can think most of the time. Sometimes I can't think very well. I can spend time with my family and friends. And life isn't always ideal. Rarely is it. And we can find ourselves getting um, an unthankful heart for silly things. And when we went to South Dakota last week, it was nice and cool. And I wore my hair down every day because I don't do it at, at home. And um, it just felt so good. And I got home and I got in a really bad attitude. I was sick of the heat. I was sick of Arizona. I was just had a bad attitude. And so um, I was very crabby. And then I saw footage on the concentration camps in World War II, and I was like, oh my goodness, can you, somebody just slap me? <laughs> you know, you just feel so stupid that you get so narrow on things. But 
It happens. I'm sure it happens to all of us. But when you hit the roadblocks, we need to go around them looking for what we can be thankful for because there's always something. And it will be a blessing to the Lord, but also to yourself and definitely to those around you because, you know, your husband or your kids, they don't want to hear you complain. So we need to be grounded in thanksgiving. And when you are grounded in trust, it comes so much easier to be thankful because we know God is in control. I believe Mary had a thankful heart. And in these next verses, as we finish up, we're, uh, we receive more great counsel on how to live a godly life with others. These Proverbs have so much in them, we can't cover it all. So in your groups, you're going to have time to cover this as we go into Proverbs three twenty-seven through 30 that I'm just going to read. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not devise evil against your neighbor for he dwells by you for safety's sake. Do not strive with a man without cause if he has done you no harm. And as we finish, we're going to see continual contrast between the wise and the foolish in Proverbs 3.31. Do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways. For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. So we see the contrast between perverse and upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Another contrast. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. In the last verse, the wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. And legacy is anything handed down from the past. And so we don't want to hand down to our children or to our grandchildren foolishness. We want to give them a legacy of wisdom. So as we trust the Lord and as we choose his wisdom, he will truly direct our paths. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, Lord, in your word, and we're just grateful to have it, to have the freedom to still do this. And we ask, Lord, as we go into our small groups, that you would help us even learn more. I know there's so much more in this proverb that we just cannot do it justice, but we ask that we would dig in and learn from one another and have a blessed evening. We thank you for the food that will be over in the youth center as we finish up and for the ladies that brought it. And we ask, Lord, that you would just continue to bless our evening. In Jesus' name, amen.